Good morning, Downers and Travelers. You're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig. And uh, we have two, I would say, outstanding, long-standing companies um, that we're going to be discussing. The first one being Peugeot. I love the Peugeot. And the second one being Capresso. Um, for Peugeot, we're going to be talking to Marie Vavasori Fundus. That's a, that's a complicated name. It is. There's and, a hyphen and, and, between and, Vavasori and Fundus. And I have to tell you, it's it's a complicated business. When you've been, when you've been in business for eighty years or so, before you start making cars, <laughs> <laughs> you, you 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 will you will be surprised. You 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 will will not not have known this before. This is in the category of new information for you, and uh, we so we hope you find it. Interesting. Well, I'm so excited to be talking to Marie Vavasori Fundus. She is with Peugeot Sauveur, and I am a great fan of that product. Now, Marie, most people, when you say Peugeot, think of an automobile. Explain to us this company. Yes, yeah, so most people are are indeed uh, right to think of Peugeot as a car company because it is. But what's really interesting about uh, this company is that they actually started in uh, 1810 by making saws and not cars. The cars came uh, a long time after in 1890. Uh, and in between, the company owned by the Peugeot family and the Peugeot brothers uh, went through a variety of industrial adventures. And the one that we are most interested in uh, as Peugeot Sauveur is, of course, the launch of the first coffee grinder, which was in 1840. And that really marked the... Um, Entrance and of this company into the spice business. Must uh, that's how it started. It must, it must have been one of the very first coffee grinders that anybody ever had, right? You know, it's true, and uh, and there were they were making so many of these coffee grinders. I think at the time in the 1900s, there was about a thousand pieces a day that they were making because of the growth of the the coffee industry and how much coffee was coming from the Middle East into uh, Western Europe. Wow. Um, and there was nothing to process it, so Peugeot jumped on this trend and uh, offered these amazing uh, hand coffee grinders that uh, that are still on the market and still fully functional. I actually own one uh, that is about 100 years old, and it still works. And you can find a lot of these pieces still uh, at antique stores and uh, flea markets throughout Europe, but also here in the U.S. Uh, if, you're, if you're into looking, uh, looking for it. What is it about? The grinder that makes it so special is it is it something to do with the position of the blades, or is it the the steel that's used? I mean, the, there's a secret in there somewhere. Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, what has made Peugeot Mills the the leading mills in the world, and and the reason why we're still in business is because of the quality uh, of the design of the gears, and uh, and of course the the beauty of the product itself. When it comes to grinding spices, what's really important is having a tool that really allows to get the most out of the spice. Um, what most people don't know also is that only minutes after grinding coffee, the oils will have evaporated and you start losing all the benefits of grinding or or having uh, ground coffee and processing coffee. So in order to, to benefit from all the aromas and, and the experience of grinding coffee, you need to have a tool that's going to really cut that spice in the best way possible so to release all the aromas that are in it. And uh, having gears that are really designed for one type of spice, and in this case, it, for the coffee bean, uh, guarantees that you're going to have a very consistent grind. So when your coffee is going through the brewing process, um, it releases all the flavors that uh, that has made coffee so popular and that, that everyone loves in coffee. So definitely the gears are, are really important, and, uh, and Peugeot spends a lot of time designing and analyzing 
uh, analyzing the spices, so to design gears that are made to the dimension and to the texture of the spices uh, in order to process them in, in the best performing way. Now, the, the, um, you, you have a hand-cranked grinder, mm-hmm. right, for coffee? Yes. Now, I mean, is there a market for that for functionality today instead of an electric grinder? Absolutely, and especially with um, the, the strength and the growth of the coffee trend nowadays where people are really looking for experiences where they're going back to the roots, they're going back to authentic experiences, and they want to take the time to look for products that really um, are flavorful and and uh, rich and have a story and were grown in a certain fashion and so on. So people are really interested in finding the best quality possible product. And for that reason, I think the natural second step is finding the best way to process and to prepare your food and, and in this case, prepare your coffee. So people have been spending more time um, preparing and making their coffee. So there is definitely a growing trend for the manual grinding because you enjoy this uh, ritual of grinding your coffee every morning or every other day, but really taking time to um, enjoy this this manual ritual that you feel the, the, the beans processing while you're doing it. Uh, you, you're smelling all the aromas oh, yes. released from the beans, and uh, so definitely people enjoy taking the time to to grind their coffee. I, I'm worried. I feel like I've been brutalizing the coffee <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. using using a, a Krupp's electric grinder. <laughs> I, I feel guilty. I mean, I'm going to feel, gu- gonna time, feel guilty right? every time every time I turn it on. I'm going to feel guilty. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, sometimes you just need uh, a quick coffee so it's it's uh, uh, totally acceptable right uh, I think that there's a time for for everything and that's what weekends are for also I mean um, you get to enjoy enjoy yourself a little more do something that uh, that brings uh, pleasure to the experience and but, it's a very uh, handsome item too so I, so, I'm, yeah. so I'm forgiven uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, there, there's one fun fact too about uh, manual uh, grinding of the coffee beans and and of all the spices is that when you process the beans through an electric machine, the blades are going to heat uh, while they're turning, uh, and that causes bad, the yeah. beans to cook, and then you lose some of that oil. So if you really want to be picky about your you're uh, processing the the way you process your spice and getting really 100% of their flavor then um that's also one reason to switch to a manual a manual grinder but I'm, I'm totally yeah. I'm totally converted okay <laughs> perfect <laughs> and like Anne said it's such a beautiful item that yeah. you take pride in displaying it on your counters and yes. it's a nice way to adorn your kitchen now let's take a slightly different direction because in the in the past, we have always considered ourselves quite advanced, because in addition to pepper grinding mills, we also had salt mills. Mm-hmm. But but you have a variety of different grinders for different mm-hmm. elements in the spice spectrum. Can you can you explain why that is? Sure. Um, Peugeot is actually it is known to be uh, the company with the most diverse collection of spice grinders and again we're going back to this um, interest in the company in providing um, tools that are really there to release and all the flavor in in the spice so when it's time to process a mineral like a, a salt versus processing berries like peppercorns and and multiple varieties of peppercorns um, you're dealing with different textures different diameters and different hardnesses, so you're not going to be processing a rock uh, in the same way that you can process a berry. So Peugeot is designed mechanisms that have gears and teeth of certain sizes and certain gaps uh, that offer to first crack and just uh, crack the, 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 the crystals or crack the berries and then grind them finely. And in order to grind them finely, you need to have different 
gears and different mechanisms that are appropriate for each one of them. And that's why Peugeot has a coffee mechanism that we talked about and now has adapted the coffee mechanism to peppercorns and also salt and then wet salt. Uh, yeah, no, that's, is, that's not steel, right? Yes. But yes, most of the mechanisms except for the wet salt mechanism are made from steel. Yeah, but I mean, and a wet one can't be. What do you use for that? Exactly. It's because the, the wet salt is so humid that you would never be able to process it through a steel mechanism without uh, risking high corrosion of the mechanism. So right. uh, they designed a, a mechanism that is specific to wet salt and, and uh, anti-clogging that allows to just uh, easily grind uh, wet salt uh, to a very fine powder, which is another another. Um, benefit of Peugeot mechanisms is that you have a, a very consistent grind, but also that can go from very fine to very coarse. Yeah, you just turn the bottom of the um, of the, the mill to mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the fineness. Uh, mm-hmm. One, two, three for the fineness. What, yeah, mm-hmm. and it calibrates it, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because depending brilliant. on if you're seasoning meat or salad or a soup, you're going to want, you're going to be looking for different coarsenesses, so it's nice to have a tool that allows you to go from one to the other, and uh, on most mills, actually, you can just turn the little knob at the top of the mill and uh, and adjust the coarseness by just simply turning turning the knob. Um, The technology you're talking about is the U-Select, which is a ring at the bottom of the mill. Mm -hmm. And that's super convenient because when you're cooking, you can just, like, turn it to a coarser grind or turn it to a finer grind and just uh, quickly have the the coarseness that you're looking for. But they're so handsome, again. I mean, they're so beautifully designed that you hate tucking them away in in the kitchen, huh? Well, I was out in the kitchen. They're on the sideboard, right? Yeah, no, we're talking about, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we, I, I said we've got to put them where people can see them. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, I, I wanted to say that another characteristic of the uh, the grinder, the Peugeot, uh, is I, I wrote to somebody, I think it was, um, I think it was Christian Fuller, the, the publicist, mm-hmm. that, the longevity. I mean, they're so, the guarantees on them are amazing. And uh-huh. I still use on a daily basis a pepper mill that I bought in 1975. That's fantastic. That's how it should be. Yes. And in fact, I, if you go to visit any of our relatives in England, you'll find all of them using the, the pepper mill and the salt mill because they all, we gave them to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody, nobody in England had ever heard of a salt mill. <laughs> or a pepper mill. We call them salt pots, right? Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Now, there's no. something else that we were talking about is um, the way that, well, it, I was attracted to the idea of this um, this barrel corkscrew, uh, which is one of these wooden corkscrews that you've been promoting. And in the process, I, I learned that you are actually currently rebranding, or not rebranding, refocusing your brand and mm-hmm. accelerating your new product development. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, you know, why this is happening and some of the products that have come out. Sure, that, that's uh, it's. We're going through a really exciting time right now. You're right. Um, 2018 is the year of Peugeot. The company has been in business since 1812, and uh, we are um, expanding the line, changing the identity, the signature, and going into uh, new territories. Always connected to French gastronomy and uh, the pleasure of cooking and sharing a meal uh, with family and friends and adding to our catalog a number of products that have, uh, of course, to do with housewares and, and tableware. And uh, we, uh, this year in 2018, are reintroducing our, a line of knives for the chef and for the table. Well, I didn't know you France. made knives. 
You make yes. knives? Really? That's what we started with in 1812 before that coffee grinder. Uh, for a hundred years, we, uh, for, uh, uh, we, we made the coffee grinders, but before that, we started with, uh, with knives and blades and were very successful in the 19th century, excuse me, um, make, making those knives. I've and never so, seen one of those. What's this different about them? So the new knives are, uh, of course, designed by Peugeot and they're made, uh, in the, uh, the crate the capital of French cutlery called Thiers. It's a small village in, in France where for eight generations, about eight centuries, uh, people have been making knives. So it's a small village, but think of just everyone living there having at some point or another been involved in, in cutlery making. And one of the most uh, uh, famous and, and greatest companies uh, in knife making in France is, of course, located there, and uh, Peugeot is partnering with them to uh, to make those knives in uh, a very uh, French authentic way and offering now two lines of knives one that is forged and one that is stamped machine made uh, but a beautiful product always you know trying to focus on the on the beauty and the elegance and this French art de vivre uh, and offering top quality top performing product and uh, we're very excited about this. We're just launching the knives. They'll be able to, uh, they'll be sold uh, throughout a, uh, uh, a network of independent stores in, in the U.S. and in Canada and, of course, in, in the rest of the world. But uh, uh, we're, we're, we're very excited. It's a beautiful product, and we're proud to add that to, uh, to our collection this year. So the rebranding incorporates the, the launch of, the, of these knives and uh, also some changes in the brand with a new logo uh, showing the lion. The lion has been part of our brand all through our story um, since the beginning. And uh, now the lion is a little more aggressive. He's younger, stronger. He's a little more fun. So it's an exciting change, too, that you can really feel through the, the change in the way the lion posture is in, in the logo. Um, uh, and is that the one I'm looking at? We have a new knob now and this new brand that you're going to see okay. across all Peugeot product, uh, which was done a little differently in the past. So now whether you're looking at Peugeot mills or Peugeot knives or our wine accessories, you'll be able to notice the Peugeot stem. So from the distance now, now and forever, people will be able to distinguish a Peugeot product from a product made by another brand. So that's an exciting feature. It looks like a little jewel on on the mill, so adding also to the elegance and the presentation of the product. So exciting! It's an exciting time for us. Is that? Do I have that on that? Because um, I wanted to mention this uh, whiskey tasting uh, device. The glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, is it stamped with this stamp? Yeah. So the 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 engraved logo on the glass and also on the chilling base in the middle on the black part, you will see the uh, the Peugeot stamp. So, um, well, explain about that because you are expanding your interest in mm-hmm. in wine and and the spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we started working uh, with wine and spirits about ten years ago, and uh, we're really expanding and focusing on offering specialty product. Uh, in glassware, in, in uh, tools also with a, a great top quality range of, uh, of bottle openers and, and corkscrews. Uh, we're now making some of our corkscrews uh, at our factory in France also where the mills are turned, the mills are made. We're now making uh, beech wood and walnut uh, corkscrews. They're, they're very, uh, very beautiful. They are and, gorgeous, um, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's nice to have a product that's made in France in that in that category in the corkscrew category, um, and there's the patent also on both of them, which is another another uh, way that Peugeot differentiates themselves from other in in the industry is that we try to have several patents on our product and uh, and offer unique technologies and uh, solutions to make everything easier. So opening a bottle uh, with with these corkscrews is is now easy and 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 smooth. Um, but the whiskey tasting glass is a, a glass for any type of spirit. Really, you can use it of course with whiskey, but cognac. 
Uh, you can use it with Armagnac, um, tequila, whatever you fancy. Um, and the design of the glasses is, is really clever. Uh, there is a little opening underneath the glass that uh, basically opens the surface of the uh, spirit in the glass. So to prevent vapors from shooting at the nose while you're drinking. Yeah, I never even so, thought of that, that <laughs> until I read it know, on, the, on the device. I never thought of that. A lot of people don't drink spirits because they find them too strong, but it's actually it's everything going to the nose yes, and not the flavor in the mouth. So now with this glass, not that we're encouraging people to drink more whiskey, but I think <laughs> a lot of people who did not drink uh, spirits before because of that uh, opinion, uh, that uh, uh, perception of spirits in general might might want to try this glass and see uh, what they think now. It's, it's interesting to do a test between a regular glass and this and this Peugeot glass, and it's it's quite impressive what a difference it makes. And so now you just drink your uh, whiskey out of this glass and just enjoy the full aromas that are retained in the glass and the fire disappears. It's just a really smooth and pleasant experience. If I, if I was a member of the Riedel family, I think I'd, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd, I'd be getting kind of worried about these Peugeot people coming along with all their <laughs> gadgets. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, you, you really have, you have a lot of major competition in all these spheres. I really feel the company has been emboldened, like your Lion logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the strength of the company and the longevity, um, and, and of course, uh, all possible with the loyalty of the customers. We've had loyal customers how in housewares, but also with uh, the chefs and the following of the, the professional chefs the world around. It's uh, all of the, uh, the, the the following that is uh, enabling the company to stay in business and, and continue for, you know, a company has been 200 years in business and uh, still making its product in France and uh, fully integrating all the different steps in the process, right, from the design to the manufacturing to the painting and the, the assembly, the packaging, like everything is made at the Peugeot factory. It's quite, it's quite impressive and quite unique if you think of... Um, uh, the industry uh, nowadays where uh, a lot of products are sourced uh, elsewhere and uh, Peugeot has been right. able to, uh, to continue that and, and the Peugeot family still owns the, the business and uh, it just shows how much they care about uh, uh, the, uh, the values and uh, offering a, a great product to, uh, to their customers. Now, Marie, how long have you been with the company? I've been with Peugeot for about five years now, a little over five years. Well, they're lucky to have you. You're a great spokesperson for the company. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. And we, and we think you would probably get very good feedback if you were to produce a product line celebrating France's victory in the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that's a, that's a great idea. There's a lot of people around the world who enjoy soccer and food at the same time, right? Oh, yeah. First, probably. Exactly. Well, well, thank you so much for joining us today from Chicago, Illinois, I think. No. Where yes, you? yes, absolutely. Oh, We're in you, Chicago. Thank oh, you. It's been I a am. pleasure. So you're, li- so, you're living in Chicago then. So, yes. So we're so, so we're so pleased with, uh, to be able to bring your message to our listeners. And uh, people can buy, presumably online. Where else can they buy? Uh, they can buy anywhere near them at an independent specialty store, independent gourmet store, as well as, of course, Williams-Sonoma, Sur La Table, Crate and Barrel, and, uh, and online. Well, I'm, I'm very excited for, for you and, and your company, actually, because it sounds like it's a perfect time to be working there. It's a very exciting time. It's a great transition, a beautiful product, and we're proud to, uh, to, to work, uh, to preserve the, uh, the quality and, uh, and, and satisfy people around the world who are into, into food and spices. And, uh, I want to mention also that, uh, Peugeot will, Peugeot product will be available also 
on our website starting uh, in September. So that's another exciting uh, step in the uh, in this transition. We're going to be able to to sell our product direct to uh, to consumers. Oh, nice! Well, Very good. What what else is there to say except Vive la France? <laughs> <laughs> Very. Thank, thank you for taking time to talk to us about these wonderful products. Uh, it's been I, my pleasure. I, I really trust the brand, so I'm I'm very enthused for the company. Thank you for having us in your kitchen for for a long time too. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> okay, so you can't drive these Peugeots, but they sure are fun to have on the kitchen table and on the dining room table, which is where we have several. Yeah, and we're going to revisit this. Uh, we didn't talk about. The actual spices they sell, they they, they um, search globally for the best of each of these spices that that go in these mills, and um, that's a whole different program, I guess. I mean, it's top quality stuff that they sell. Okay, and uh, we'll be back after a break, so don't go away. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Welcome back. And the next company we're going to be examining, um, along with the spokesperson, April Strojan, is Capresso, a, a company that does, well, I can't say one thing because it's variations of one thing, but exclusively coffee and tea brewing. And they do not a million things, but they do what they do very, very well. So uh, I learned so much about the brewing of coffee talking to April uh, and uh, trying the Capresso equipment and devices. Um, well, just let her go through and talk about some of these things with us. Listeners, we're going to be talking to April Stroger, Stroger and um, expect to learn a lot because this, this woman um, talking about her job at Capresso and the company and its products Knows just about everything you ever wanted to know about coffee making. I welcomed on the menu April, and I really am expecting to learn a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, first of all, I was surprised that um, Capresso. I thought it was an, an older company than it is. It, it really dates to the late nineties, right? Yeah, we were actually founded in nineteen ninety four. Okay, so it was mid-90s, and mm-hmm. the name is a combination. Cappuccino and espresso. And that's how you started. Yes, so we just kind of combined those two words into one, and it was a perfect name for us. It is a great name, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so roughly outline what all you make. Yeah, so Capresso, we focus on coffee, tea, and milk beverages. So that's anything from like a drip coffee, an espresso, um, obviously cappuccinos, as well as hot tea. And the milk frothers are also a really um, great category for us. You can froth milk for a cappuccino or a latte or even make hot chocolate. I mean, that's great. Um, And you have a really well-defined niche. It's what would you describe your average customer um, I would say our average customer um, is really focused on coffee and wants to get the quickest and latest innovation. Uh-huh. And you have those. And that's what we do, yes. We always try to, you know, come up with something a little bit unique, not just like the everyday drip coffee maker for 20 bucks. We really try to put a little bit of thought behind it, making sure we give you like those perfect gold tone filters. Um, and really trying to make your life a little bit easier in the morning because we all know how tough it is before you have that first cup of coffee. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you bet. But, but you, you don't, know our house. <laughs> but but you don't. Yeah. But you don't set it up the night before, right? So sometimes you can with our drip coffee makers. You can actually put the water and the coffee in the machine ahead of time, and then it'll turn on for you at the set time. If you want it. 
to turn, if you want your coffee ready, let's say 7.30, I would have it turn on at 7.15. takes about 10, 15 minutes to brew. So by the time you wake up, it would be ready. But is it a good idea or is it better to, better to grind the coffee like in the morning? Um, you know, it's all personal preference. So some people, you know, that eight hours matters to them, and then other people, they just want that coffee first thing. They don't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, where to start? I mean, you're talking to somebody who, uh, in my world, coffee has changed dramatically since I was, say, in college. I remember at that time that um, we were all happy to have um that powdered instant coffee and and hot tap water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, of course, nobody would get away with that now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're, we're talking about fairly sophisticated coffee making. Um, tell me about coffee roasting, for example. Oh, sure, yeah. So um, we do actually roast our own coffee for Capresso. We have two different blends. Um, and we roast it in Brooklyn in, like, small batches. So, like, a micro-roast is anything that's under 100 pounds at a time. So if you're roasting thousands of pounds, obviously you're a commercial roaster. And you can get beans from basically, like, anywhere along, like, the equator country, so around, like, the center of uh, the earth, mm-hmm. and that's where it's hottest. So there's a few different types of beans, and mainly we sell Arabica, so those are, like, the most high-end beans. Um, Robusta is probably more used for like the instant coffee um, that you were mentioning before. So you always want to have like let's say a really you know nice coffee from a good area that you like but then a lot of people also blend the beans from different areas. So you might blend a bean that's from Africa with one that's from Latin America to get a whole different flavor. Right, they're doing that with chocolate too. Yes, it's just like chocolate. Yeah, Um, yeah, no, I I think that nobody would be happy to have. I wouldn't even be able to stomach instant coffee today. I mean, I just know better, so that my stomach is, you know, offended by that whole concept. What do you think? Yeah, and I think you know, people. I kind of like to compare coffee to like the wine industry because you know, fifty years ago, people in the U.S. weren't so into wine, mm-hmm. but now they really care, like, where does the wine come from? And it's the same with coffee. It's like, where does this coffee come from? Did it come from a farm where they treat, you know, the workers ethically and things like that? And people want to try coffee from different regions to see, like, where, where, where do I like my coffee from? You know, for me personally, I like it from, like, Antigua and Guatemala. Yeah, Guatemala. Um, I don't, yeah, like, I don't love, like, an African coffee, let's say. But it's always good to, like, try the different flavors and see what you like. Right. Now, um, we started focusing in on uh, Capresso um, when you presented this pour-over kettle. Now, can you explain what that system is about? Are we we leaving coffee? No. Oh, okay. It's coffee. I was just going to add something to the conversation. Yeah, go ahead. It's it's really interesting. We were trying trying to figure out where where to store the coffee maker which is which has now been superannuated because we've got a better one from Capresso. Ah. So, so so we went to the we went to the cupboard in the second floor kitchen and we discovered okay. we discovered where we had put the three or four previous coffee makers <laughs> which which included the classic French espresso machine. Okay. The, the the one where the seals always broke eventually and yes. you, had to buy, you had to buy another one. But I don't know if you noticed, but the other, also in the same cupboard, was was the uh, coffee maker that you know you put you put the beans you, you grind the beans or you buy them already ground and you put them in this case and then you heat the water and the water comes up through the spout and goes down through the coffee. <laughs> oh, like a percolator, like We have a lot of my mother's stuff. And, and I, I knew there was, I knew there was a name for I it. I mean, she had a really simple drip thing too, but she always loved this percolator, and she had a, a special party thing too. Oh, sure. that, oh yeah, I mean, this was a big thing. So, <laughs> yeah, no, there, there are just endless varieties of coffee makers. 
right? Yeah, and I, you know, I have to say, it's like there's no right or wrong way to make coffee. You know, some people might tell you you have to brew it this way. It has to be at this temperature. It's whatever you like. Coffee's very personable. So some people really like coffee out of a percolator, and some people would never touch it. So it's really just up to what you guys like. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people like percolators who like really, really hot coffee. So if you want that coffee that's like 200 degrees in your cup, the percolator's the right for you. I see. Yeah. Um, no, but going back, this pour-over kettle, is that a style of brewing coffee and tea? That is. So basically, like, a pour-over is any time where you're manually pouring hot water over ground coffee. So there's many different methods. With the Capresso pour-over um, kettle is we feature, like, a gooseneck spout. So have you ever seen those really thin spouts that looks like a swan's neck? Yes, indeed, yeah. So that's basically what the pour-over kettle is from Capresso. And the reason that's important to have that really thin spout is you can control that hot water. So if you're pouring that over, let's say, like a little cup of ground coffee, if you really want control to be able to, you know, control where that hot water is going and to saturate the ground coffee perfectly. Uh So it goes, it's, I mean, I remember the Chemex, and that's still going, actually. Yeah, and like so, the the Capresso pour over kettle is the perfect companion to the Chemex. Uh huh. So you can use right. those together. Exactly. And I know you guys mentioned before, like grinders. So we always try to pair um, a conical burr grinder with the pour over because it's going to give you the most consistent grind, so that you get the best out of your beans. Right now, um, I, I just discovered from from talking to April that the the, the, the kind we've been using all these years from Krups. It's called a blade grinder, and and uh, there are some disadvantages. Yeah, so with a blade grinder, it's not going to get as consistent because basically it's like almost like using, let's say, like a knife for the blades, and you're just chopping it a bunch of times. But it's not really giving you like the most consistent way to grind. Whereas like a burr is actually like pulling the beans down into the burr, and it's not going to pass through the bottom until it's the right consistency. Okay. We, you know, there's there's so much to know about this. Let's do this. Let's look at the basics because um, the Coffee Team Pro Plus is um, th- this particular, it, it's sort of like a, a highlight of your coffee making machine. Yes. Yeah, that's what we kind of started out with was the Coffee Team models. And we've had a few versions over the years. But basically our Coffee Teams have a built-in burr grinder on the top. And right before you brew, it's going to grind the coffee fresh for you every time. Okay. And that there's also this issue of um, that kind of a grinder doesn't produce heat and friction, right? Correct. Yeah. So it spins at a lower RPM, so rotations per minute, than a blade grinder. A blade grinder might do like 20,000 rotations in a minute, whereas like a burr might be like 400 for a conical burr. So it's a lot slower. Yeah, now, so the, the coffee beans themselves and the, where they're from, how they're stored, and mm-hmm. you uh, you and I, when you're manual, you, you point out that what I was doing for years, which I haven't done, by the way, for years, and freezing is not such a good idea um, because, uh, it, well, for a number of reasons. Uh, how would you recommend storage? I had uh, this wonderful product called a... Um, Bean bean back, and they don't make it anymore. We, we oh, um, yeah, you could store it in like a vacuum sealed, but basically, like you only want to buy the coffee that you're going to drink for like a week or two. So, you know, a lot of people like to go to Costco and buy like a ten pound bag of coffee. Well, that's not going to be like the freshest way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you might only want to buy like a half a pound or a pound at a time. And then basically once you open it is you're going to want to put it in some sort of like container. So have it be like a Tupperware or a vacuum sealer like you mentioned. Um, You just want to contain the air inside so that there's not constantly air coming in and out. And then you want to keep it in like let's say a dark place. So you don't want to keep it like right on your counter in front of the sun. You want to keep it more in the cabinet. Now the beanbag when it started out was really cool and one of its advantages because there's so much clutter on our kitchen counters, I'm sure there aren't on yours. <laughs> but the neat thing about the beanbag is it ran on batteries. Oh, I see. Yes. But, but, but we have a we have a feeling something must have gone must have gone yeah. wrong with the product because because you can't 
buy them anymore. They, we they, broke two of them, so I know yeah, there must I mean, have been they, something they, wrong with they, it. They, 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 well, so they, there's another brand out there now. I think it's called Coffeescape. And um, you kind of, like, push the lid down to the coffee, and it pushes all the air out. Yeah, Maybe that's, that's what a we good have. replacement for you guys. Well, we I have got, that, I, well, I got I, I got a similar one from, from Amazon, which does force some of the air out, but not all of it. I mean, I can, I can hear the air coming out. Yeah. But, it, but it's not emptying out completely, which was the thing that the beanbag did so well. Yeah. And, and, and besides... But, it, but you... But you said you know of such a product. Let's just, let's write its name down. Yeah, I think it's called Coffeescape. Coffee, Coffeescape. Okay. Coffeescape, yeah, because then I think it, like, pushes, the lid goes right to the coffee in the canister, and then all the air comes out. Right, right. Huh. Oh, well, yeah, well, that's it's sort of like a, uh, a coffee press, French press. It's like a French press, yeah. <laughs> Which is, of course, another method that we've experimented with over the years. We still have yeah. the, we still have those. In the we room. have those too. <laughs> they're, they're in a dif- they're in a different cupboard. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you have the coffee, you have uh, the, the beans, you have the method of, um, of grinding the beans, and some tips that you're offering about. Uh, buying in small quantities, um, uh, and w- if you're storing, the store in a, um, a, a dark place. And the other element I'm thinking about is, and we also talked about the difference between perk and drip, but w- the other element is the water. Now, uh, yeah. yeah, mine, uh, my friend in New York City, uh, when she would visit me, uh, wherever it was, would complain about the coffee because of the local water. So if you're really fussy, I guess you use distilled water? Um, I would just say filtered water in general. So okay. even if you have like a Brita filter um, on your sink or anything like that, is you just want to filter out like let's say like the chlorine or any of like the hard elements in your local water. Uh-huh. Now, that, now there's this filter thing that came with the Model T. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what? It's what, what, what does that do? That's the charcoal something or other. Yeah. Yeah, it's a charcoal water filter, and that's again very similar to like a Brita filter, where right. it takes out like any of like the hard elements that might affect your flavor of the coffee. So, um, calcium is one of them. If you have a lot of calcium yes. in your water, Indianapolis like, ruined all of my pots and pans when yes, I was there. Yes, right. You get that like lime scale. Oh, on it's there. awful. Yeah. Yeah, so it can ruin your machine, but it can also affect the taste of your coffee. So that's why you always want to use, like, let's say, a charcoal filter, even if you just use, like, a Brita filter on your own water. Um, coffee's 98, 99% water. So if you don't have the purest water, it's going to affect the flavor of your coffee. But, but oh, hold on a second. So, But this filter that we have that came with the machine, you have to get more of those, right? Yeah, so that'll, that'll be good for, like, 60 brews. So if you do one pot a day, it's good for two months. Um, and you can purchase those through us, or you can even, I think there's other brands out there that sell, like, similar ones. Um, or, again, you could just use filtered water from your tap. Do you, do you go out through Amazon or anybody like that? Of course, yeah. So we could get them from Amazon as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, now, I... Tell me, is this true or false? Of course, you're going to tell me it's false. But I I have read that um, charcoal is a carcinogen and um, that this is one bad thing about, like, uh, they use charcoal uh, to, um, what do you call it, decaffeinate coffee. Uh, And and then there are the issues that come up about the charcoal that you're grilling on the grill. is it or is it not a carcinogen? I think when it's like, let's say, like on a grill, like you're mentioning, because you're like heating something and it's burning, I do think that's a carcinogen. But when you're using charcoal in this application and just kind of passing the water through, is like it's not like a you're not burning something and then ingesting it. Uh-huh. So you think right, it's so safe. it's just passing through, and like basically the charcoal will like hold on to any of the minerals that are in the water and kind of leave you all the fresh water at the end. So it's sort of like bourbon, which is charcoal filtered. Is I mean, it? Let's not make that a carcinogen for heaven's sake. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't we, know that. We don't, we don't want that. We don't want that kind of. Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I think that you've built a compressor. I'm talking about has built 
a, a reputation so that people trust the, you know, the, your products in general. Um, the, some of the, how important is it to actually have the um, adjustment for the oiliness of the beans? I, I sort of can't wrap my head around that yet. Can you repeat that question? I'm sorry. Yeah, the, there is a, a, a device on there. You can adjust it um, depending on the oiliness of the beans. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah, so for the coffee tea models, we found that, like, some people like to use very oily beans. So, like, Starbucks has a very oily bean or, like, let's say a really dark roast has oils on it. So we have the special oily setting so that when the grinder is running, more of the beans feed into the grinder because they like they flow a little bit slower than a drier bean. Uh-huh. Well, now, so, yeah, go ahead. Yep. So then we actually have the two different settings. So like the drier beans will then give you the same yield as the oily beans when you use that oily setting. So the grinder is just kind of uh, grinding for a longer time. I see. Okay. Um, so basically, you, you have to kind of test it and see what suits you and your beans. Yeah, so basically, if, if you use, let's say, an oily bean without that oily setting, you might just get like a weak carafe of coffee because the, the beans won't feed as fast. So if you notice that, you know, your beans, you're only getting like, let's say, a half a cup of um, grinds in the filter, then you want to use the oily setting. I see. Well, you know, I, I have to remark that the operating instructions that come with this coffee maker are very thorough. But, oh, good. Yeah, they are, but, I mean, you really have to study it and know what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's not as simple as my mother's drip or percolator. Yeah, and, you know, for, like, the coffee team, because it's kind of like two products in one, like of a grinder and a drip coffee maker, it's almost like having two instruction books because it's like, how do you take care of the grinder? And then how do you take care of the machine? So we always like to put in more details, I guess. <laughs> well, do people actually favor the, the, the two-in-one, the grinder with the coffee maker? I, this has been a very popular product over the past 20 years, so I think people wow. really do like it. And a lot of other brands haven't been as successful as us because it's a very hard product to make. Oh, is that right? Okay. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, if if one part breaks, do you have to replace the whole thing? Um, I guess it depends on the part. So, like, for the one that you guys have, you know, the bean container is removable. So let's say you just drop the bean container on the floor. It's very easy to just get a replaceable bean container. Uh If it's something internal, then it might need a little bit more service. I see. And and you do that? We do do have service here, yeah. Okay. Okay. so you you have the ultimate machine here. So what's next? Well, we're always focused on coffee. Um, the pour-over kettle just launched for us, so that's something brand new that Capresso's never come out with before. How popular is that, um, by the way? Are people liking that? People do like it, yeah. Because we're experts in coffee, I feel like that was a category we were missing in the past. Mm-hmm. So now it's something that we're able to confidently say we fulfill. So you're really covering all the, the niches and spots, right? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of other brands have, you know, maybe 20 different categories where they do toasters and deep fryers and things like that. But it's really a benefit for us to be so focused on coffee. It's like this is all we think about. Right. And tea. <laughs> and tea, yes. Hot beverages. <laughs> yeah. You have a nice tea maker too, don't you? Oh, I love the iced tea maker. That's the really? best for the summer. Even in the winter, I use it, to be honest. <laughs> what does it do? I've never seen one. What does it do? Yeah, so it basically, it, it brews the tea almost like coffee, but there's um, a mechanism in the top that allows it to steep for a little bit. So basically, your hot water oh, wow. will steep on your tea, and then you fill the pitcher with ice. So then by the time that it's done brewing the hot tea, the ice kind of makes it cold. <laughs> Whereas in the past, you know, I used to like, you know, boil it on the stove, and then you had to wait, like, you know, five hours for it to cool down, then put it in the refrigerator. Um, this kind of makes it so that as soon as it's done, it's ice cold and ready to drink. Wow. And um, I guess all of the, the um, frothers are going big time, aren't they? Oh, I love the frothers, yeah. So our newest one is the Froth Control. It's a $79 frother. 
And this is the only frother on the market that you could put chocolate chips into and melt them into hot chocolate. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, and when you've had chocolate, when you've had hot chocolate out of oh, one of our frothers, you'll never go back to like the powder. <laughs> oh yeah. You'll always use. I use Toll House chocolate chips all the time. Oh, my my granddaughter would lose her mind. She loves that. She's loving. Oh, it's the best. Yes. And even at the office, we've been using like peanut butter chips with the chocolate, oh, and it's shoot. like drinking like a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's the best. Oh, you're awful, April. <laughs> I know. <laughs> explain explain this to me. I used to. I used to love to watch a program called Fraser, which, which, if you're a coffee lover, you must have known yes. that Fraser Crane's brother, Niles, adored his coffee, but his order was very special. And I, I think, I think it involved skim milk or something really stupid like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we came across a company that's originally from Sweden, which makes, oh, which right. makes oat milk. Oat milk. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, do, do you know those guys? Yeah, the Oatly, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, with any of our frothers, you can actually do any type of milk. So if you wanted to do an oat milk, you could totally do that as well. Okay, so you, you could even frush. You froth. could froth. <laughs> yes, yeah. or soy milk or almond milk, anything like that. Apparently, the, pro- the problem right now is that people have become so fond of oat milk. They can't make it fast they can't, enough. They can't make it fast enough. So, so there's, there's been a run on oat milk. <laughs> you know, I, don't know why, I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> I think, I, I, well, you know, we get news of all these new products. I mean, there are probably millions coming every day, a new product. You just wonder where it's all going to go. Oh, sure. I mean, like, but, but we don't. But we don't have to wait for another superior coffee maker to come out because we already <laughs> exactly. have the best one right? and you got a pour over thing you know and, and then the the kettle is faster than any that, that i've ever tried I still, I still don't understand the pour over kettle yeah <laughs> it's very simple rabbit you, 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 okay. you use it with the kettle yeah but, um, I mean, with that, the, but how does the water flow through the that that the, the gooseneck yeah but where, where do you put the coffee no, no, yeah, so the do, coffee, yeah, yeah. you guys were mentioning, like, let's say, Chemex before. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's another. So you you would put the ground coffee in the Chemex okay, filter, it, and then you it. would basically pour the hot water over the filter. Okay, and what's it, great, okay. right. Yeah, what's great about the pour-over method is, like, you have total control over the temperature of the water and right. total control over, like, how the coffee gets saturated, whereas, like, a drip coffee maker, there might only be one or two holes in the top spitting water out. So there might be some dry areas in your filter when you're done. It might not have fully saturated everything. But when you're doing pour-over is you can get everything perfectly saturated and mixed so you're getting, like, the best out of your coffee. Wonderful. I, we must we – must, we haven't tried – we tried that one yet? You tried it for tea. Yeah, but I haven't done the you, coffee. You haven't done coffee. We'll, we'll have to try to pour-over with coffee too. Yeah, and people that like, you know, let's say really expensive beans or they want to try beans from like a certain area, like a single origin, is they prefer the pour over because you can really like make micro adjustments to the temperature or to your technique. And then you can taste those um, little nuances in the final cup. You know, I have something personally against percolators because uh, when when our son was in... um, First grade, or was it, yeah, first grade. They had, uh, you know how they keep changing the systems for teaching reading? And I don't know if you know that or not, but they keep coming up with, well, this one was a particular a phonetic approach. And what they did was they, they took something that was fairly simple and made it into two steps, which made it really hard for some of the kids to get a hold of. And each letter had a sound, it had a picture of a thing, and the sounds it made, and then that's how you could see the letter and, and you know, enunciate it. And Q was a, an electric percolator. <laughs> and, and I kept going over with this electric percolator, listening to it, and nowhere did it sound like a Q at all. <laughs> it was because you're going Q, 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 Q. It wasn't doing anything like that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So where where do you think we're all going to end up with this? I keep asking you that because I think you should know that, April. Say that again. I'm sorry. I, where will, will this mania for coffee end up? I mean, what's next that you have to look at to stay ahead all the time? Um, 
You know, I think it's just always getting, like, the best out of your beans. So um, we're doing things with grinders to just always make sure, again, you're getting, like, that best consistency in the grind. Um, we're coming out with new kettles next year that, again, give you, like, the most um, temperature settings that you could possibly want. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I'll get one of those. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 need, we obviously need one of those. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be patient till next year. Yeah. Well, the pour-over kettle that you guys have has 72 different temperature settings. Oh, you can okay. do anything from 140 to 212 Fahrenheit. Okay. Of course, you know, everybody has a different uh, number for temperatures, like green tea which I yeah. drink, um, I use 170. And uh, some people say 180, some people say 160. Sure. So, you know, it just depends. I've just settled on 170 because it seemed like the most consistent thing I could do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you like to see happen next with coffee? You obviously love doctoring it up and making it sweet and frothy. Yeah, um... You know, I just think I want customers to just kind of learn a little bit more about coffee and, you know, not just buying uh, the same old, same old. Is definitely experiment as much as possible because there's always something new out there that if you don't try it, you don't know you like it. And type of coffee you mean, the beans or the pots? Um, For the beans, yeah. Okay. And what? how long have you been with Capresso? Uh, eight years. Oh, wow. So you must like it. <laughs> Oh, it's a great company to work for. And and the coffee's always free. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and what did you do before that? Um, so I did work at DeLonghi for four years, and I worked at Starbucks in college. You were at Long- DeLonghi? Yes. Wow. So, I mean, that's supposed to be Cadillac of the, of the espresso machines. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't think so? What is that? You didn't think so, or do you do think so? I think Jura's better. <laughs> Jura's okay. the best of the best. Yeah. Okay, we're not we're, we're not going to we're not going to go there till we have a Jura machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh boy, Jura's a mountain range. Yeah, no, you, it you, is. What about the single serve thing? You you have single serve things too, don't you? Um, so we have a coffee maker called On The Go, and that will brew six, up to 16 ounces for you. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is that you can brew it in the included travel mug, or if even you had your own mug at home, you could fit up to seven inches um, in height in there. So if you have your favorite mug that's five inches tall, you could just throw it under there, and it will brew into your favorite cup. Wow. And are they still selling big time? Yeah, those are really good, especially like around, let's say, like back to school time, you know? Uh-huh. People like to have that for college. We had one, and we gave it to our son, and it broke. Oh, no. I won't say say the brand, but anyhow. Next time, buy a Capresso, then. Okay. (laughs) Well, April, um, anything else you'd like to add to this before we close? Um, No, I think that's it. You guys, it was great speaking with you, and I hope you enjoy your coffee team. Right. And... um, Please give us the the website once again. Yeah, it's www.capresso.com. Which is one P and two S's. Yes. Great. April, it was wonderful meeting you and talking to you, and thank you for all your great information. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You really should get... Some of these devices from Peugeot and Capresso in your in your kitchen. Yeah, I mean we've used the products for a long time, although it's great catching up with the latest iteration in the uh, in the category. And they're and they're, they're so in, inventive. Yes, both Capresso and Peugeot, the non the non car making part. They're they're so progressive. They're always looking to to do something new and interesting. And uh, you you you'll be smart if you pay attention to what it is they're releasing because it's it's sure to be interesting, it's sure to be state-of-the-art, it's sure to be top quality, and all of the above. And until next week, when we all of the above will be back <laughs> for, for another program on the Menu Radio, we hope you'll join us then. So what do we say? Bye-bye.